It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. <laughs> Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. It's Inside Sports at 7.06. In the NHL, no score in the second period. Senators and Bruins. Ottawa's up 2-1 in the series. The Capitals leading the Maple Leafs 4-2. The Leafs lead that series 2-1. Just watching on the tube here, and uh, they're just sending a uh, Brooks Orpik to the penalty box. Or is this the start of the period? You know what? I, I, I missed what might have happened, so we'll see. Kevin Carey is in studio. Hi, Kevin. Pay attention. There's a quiz later. Yeah, I was showing Robert Clark around the building. Had <laughs> anthem singer Robert Clark in studio. It's great I think to talk to him. Just starting here. Yeah, it's just starting now. I think it's a two-man advantage for Toronto. Uh, Kevin, thanks for dropping by later oh, on tonight. Always good to be here. Wild and Blues, Ducks and Flames later. The Blue Jays leading 3-0 over the Red Sox in the sixth. All right, so before we get into so the text line, by the way, if you want to talk Oilers with Kevin and I, 780-496-0063. I'll catch up on the uh, text line to 630-630 in a minute. Robert Clark, fourth year singing the anthems. Man, oh, man, those were beauties in games one and two, eh? Very, uh, boy, it, it almost brings a tear to your eye when you're in the building. I mean, uh, both times I had to kind of catch myself, to be honest with you. Uh, makes you a very, very proud Canadian, and that's the only way to explain it. The anthem is such, is such an interesting thing because, you know, Robert said in the, in the interview in the last half hour, I want to sing it properly. You know, I wanna I wanna do the song justice. I, I don't wanna, you know, drag it out because I know people want to get to the game. <laughs> yet it's become such a such a big part of the crowd getting into the atmosphere of the game too. And they had it in Toronto tonight too. So I mean, and everyone's kind of doing it, which is great. I don't think it should be just one market. I think everywhere, if you're a proud Canadian, you want to belt that thing out as loud as you can. What anthem singers, past or present, still? make you think you know and i had this idea and i sent it out on the old twitter uh, a while back and i think robert clark kind of said well i want to do the anthem but i said when the oilers you know made it to the playoffs i thought that the oilers should do something like a duet similar to what the philadelphia flyers did with kate smith and then lauren hart so Mm -hmm. the two of them kind of combine they do the the natalie do they do that every game not every game just for big games and that's why i just thought that this would be just kind of a a one and done or a big game have paul lorio on the big screen and then have have robert on the ice or wherever and the two of them kind of combining and i think it would make for pretty good drama as well so they still may do it who knows never know you can text 630-630. So I'll just, because I know you were just on air, Kevin. So I had a text from Mark, who uh, 
was he basically said, I don't understand why people aren't freaking out about the game last night. And my, my response was basically, well, first of all, what good does freaking out do? And second of all, 48 hours ago, Sharks fans would have been freaking out that they hadn't scored in two games. It's, so he, so he, he <laughs> hold on. So he wrote back, he said, Reed, good comeback. I'm an eternal pessimist. So when one thing goes wrong, it's the end of the world. I predicted a sweep for the Sharks after the first game. So hopefully I'm wrong again. Thanks. That is for Mark. <laughs> He's an eternal pessimist? That's what, that's what he called himself. We're oh. <laughs> just here to help people out. Where are you after last night? You know, well, uh, let me just, you know what the the eternal optimist is, Reed? You know what that is? What's that? That's when there's a, a steaming pile of manure <laughs> under your Christmas tree on Christmas morning, and you think Santa left the pony last night. <laughs> so there you go, big there guy. Uh, Troy says, does the fact that the Oilers had an optional practice the other day and only 12 players showed up play into the trouncing they took? Seems to me that every time they had a day off this year, uh, they laid an egg the next game. It did happen a couple times. I'll tell you this, Troy, there have been a lot of optional practices since probably early March, and they have a pretty good record overall since then. Basically what's happening is, unless you're a depth guy or a rookie, you're 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 usually taking one of the two. Either you're practicing on the off day, or you're taking the morning skate. Very few guys who are who are high minute guys do both. At this time of the year, you have to get your rest. There's no sense to even uh, even like morning skates in my mind. That's uh, totally optional too. It's the way it is at this time of the year. They'll, they'll, I mean, I think they'll all take it tomorrow unless somebody's banged up because they didn't skate today. Mm-hmm. But yeah, very rarely will guys. Yeah. Do you'll see. Some, I think you'll see a pretty well full roster tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. But if they had practiced today, then they wouldn't. Then it wouldn't, be, optional. Be, wouldn't yeah. be a lot of guys tomorrow. No. We have Sir Taj on the line. Hi, Sir Taj. Go ahead. Hello, sir. Um, well, I wanted to talk about the Oilers' loss last night. Well, it was a very disappointing loss, and um, well, all, all my friends were like uh, were, were very disappointed. But um, was it true that the San Jose Sharks didn't turn the lights on for the Oilers when they practiced? Yeah, well, there's a little bit of gamesmanship going on there, Sir Taj, and there's a few different stories going going around. I mean, some people have said, no, that's how the Sharks have done it all year. Other people have been saying, well, sort of, but not quite to that extent. When the Oilers went on, out on the ice for, what was it, Kevin, a 12-30 skate? 11-30. And as you know from covering the NHL, Kevin, players go out on the ice anywhere from 5 to 20 minutes before the scheduled practice time. So what was happening was San Jose said, well, we'll turn on the lights and give you your nets at that exact time. So there, it's a little bush league in my mind, <laughs> but uh, we'll see. Maybe San Jose doesn't have a bench to sit on tomorrow night or something. We'll, or we'll or see. it'll be screwed four or five inches closer to the yeah, boards like they did one. in the old days. <laughs> Uh, 780-496-0063. You can also text 63630. Um, sorry, I had a good texture. Now I lost it. Oh, uh, Sean says, Reed, we lost. For those who can't get over it, oh, well. Yes, it sucks, but it's still one game, and uh, wins and losses are all that count. We got kicked. Tomorrow's another day. Getty up, boys. We will win. Sean's still feeling confident. You know, it, it is interesting to see the transformation of the fan base this season and when well-deserved, 
But the Oilers have been in every game. It, that that, that, that was, wasn't just their worst playoff loss ever. It was their worst loss of the year. Of the year. Most goals up. Nobody likes it. Nobody's trying to say you should like it. But there is. I think there's the sense that they're not that bad. There's That shouldn't happen two games in a row. But in any, any playoff series, there's certain times where a team is going to be backed up against it. You saw it last night with San Jose. You saw it tonight with Washington. Yeah, four-two. You know, and I mean, Toronto's hung in there a lot, but it was four-one, and it was it was you know, it Washington like it came up. It looked like it could be really. It looked like you know, uh, Anderson was going to get the hook, just like uh, Talbot did last night. It was he's one goal away from not not continuing in this game. Uh, the Rangers came out and had a very good game against Montreal. Yes, that was a close game. But when a team that is backed up and a veteran team, now you're seeing it three nights in a row, that's what happens. It's just the way it is. Now, tomorrow you're going to see a ramped-up Oilers squad against uh, you know a team that has found its game. So you're going to see the best game of the series tomorrow. I hope so. And that's, and that's what I want. I, I want the Oilers to be in this situation. And look, if, if they wind up going out in six after having a 2-1 lead, hey, that's going to be a bummer because you get, you know, fans get their hopes up. But I, I think finally we can say the Oilers took a step forward and they're in this for the long haul with, 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 with the core guys. I, I, the one thing I did say, and I'm going to get to Ron on the phone line in yep. a second here, Kevin, but I want to ask you this because I think the the one area that I would look at this from an angle of concern is that, and Mark Letestu kind of referenced it. You, you've this the Sharks' belief is now strengthened, and when the Oilers have had a stinker in the past, and they had a few this year, so you lose to Montreal, say in March, where you give up four goals in the last seven minutes or whatever it was. Next on the schedule isn't Montreal again or Pittsburgh, it's Dallas. And you hammer Dallas. And then you take it to Boston the game after that. So that's the that's the interesting dynamic in the playoffs. You don't say, okay, San Jose killed us. We don't see them for another six weeks. We play Colorado and Winnipeg next. That's the one thing that has me a little worried. It's that same team coming out again. And that's a fair point. Very fair. Because, for one, San Jose is by far the more experienced team. But as the Oilers have pointed out, every game... They're learning from that. So first game, they learned from what happened in there. It carried over to game two, and then game three was obviously a very close game. So now what they have to do is learn from what happened in game four, and I'm sure they they will, and I I don't expect anything but like a very solid performance by the others tomorrow. It, it, it's been interesting because it, it, the scoreboard has been close in three of the four games. Territorially? Three of the four games weren't close. Game one, San Jose dominated. Game two, the Oilers dominated. But one game goes to overtime. The other one's won nothing for most of the game. <laughs> and then, la- and then well. last night actually yeah. was was a blowout. So that's kind of, that's kind of an interesting. It's been a different setup. You know, the one thing I wanted to point out that I, I didn't understand how what the thought process was. And a lot of people are talking about, you know, McDavid and Saddle. Should they be together? Should they be apart? Uh, one thing I didn't understand how the very first 10 seconds went of yesterday's game. So you start, the you know, Lucic, R&H, and Everly. They've been starting the, a lot of games. Sure they have. Okay, but then what happened? Ten seconds in, they make a line change. Yeah. So then I didn't understand why do you want to make that line change in your own zone? Why do you want to put out McDavid and now you got a rookie in Slapishev and you know that the Sharks are with all the five guys that they started, although the Sharks, I believe, did change their defense pairing I think they did, yeah. after the first ten seconds. Still, I would have just left that line out. Why not? Washington, oh, Washington put the puck in the net, but it's being waved off, so still 4-2. This might be reviewed, possibly, if it's for goalie interference. We'll see. We got Ron on the line. Hey, Ron, you're on with Kevin and Reed. Go ahead. Hey, guys, how are you? 
Hey, good run. Great. Uh, just a couple of things. First of all, what's the update on uh, Leon's hearing? Oh, Leon got fined. Sorry, I forgot to mention that at the top of the hour. He got fined but not suspended. Got like 2600 bucks. Thanks, Devin. That's okay. They are rich. They can afford that. No problem. Secondly, wanted to put a note on this. 96-98, Oilers had back-to-back shutouts. In, ni- in 98, Cujo had back-to-back shutouts against Colorado. Yep. And uh, Cam had no back-to-back shutouts. In 98, after the shutouts, they lost the game. That's right. They lost game one of the next series, didn't they? Right. And now they lost again the next game. So is it like history repeating itself or uh, what's going on over here now? Well, yeah. You can't really compare it. It's just so long ago. I mean, it's different opponents in 98, you know. too. And I mean, somebody texted in that Talbot had those back-to-back shutouts in March and then got pulled in the next game. Oh, well. You know. That's that's roulette table stuff. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean the, what did the texter say? Uh, what's Cam's record winning a game after back-to-back shutouts? Don't think it's too good. Well, okay, but I'd still sooner have the back-to-back shutouts yeah. and then roll the dice in the third game. And I, I do not put last night's loss on Talbot by no, any means. I mean, couple, you know, couple bounces for San, and it, I'm not saying it was just luck, but that Pavelski tip mm-hmm. bounces perfectly, goes in, and then how many point but, blank wrist shots are you going to give San Jose? Oh, here's the other thing too. When you look at it, Reed, I mean, it's two nothing, and you know Ryan Nugent Hopkins misses an open net. Got to score that. He scores that. And then not long after that, Larson drills one off the crossbar. So, you know, you go in. Now maybe you even just get one of those. So now it's 2-1. And then, you know, obviously that I didn't agree with the Cassian penalty. But Ryan, or I mean, uh, McDavid takes the penalty to put him down. That's the turning point of the game, that penalty call in my mind. It's seven eighteen. Kevin Carius, Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. So yeah, Leon Dreisaitl fined for the spear, not suspended the exact amount, $2,569.44. The Oilers have called up four players from Bakersfield to join that Black Ace squad, Lander, Fane, Laleja, and Osterley. This texter says, why aren't we focusing on the face-off issues? Do you guys think that's a factor here? The first goal of last night's game was off a lost face-off, which kills the momentum. I'm going to agree, and and this texter's probably going to be annoyed with me. I'm, I'm going to both agree and be dismissive. Because the, the, the we're at the point, 86 games into meaningful games for the Oilers this season, where we know they are just a bad face-off team. And I hate to tell you this, folks, it ain't getting fixed. Not this year. And Anton Lander is not the answer. They're not going to throw him in tomorrow. So, I, I mean, I, it's just unfortunately at, at this point something that they're going to have to work around and, and try to figure out. I, I, there's not going to be a drastic improvement in the faceoffs in my mind. Well, you know, faceoffs are. I, I like the stat. I don't like the stat. There's so many times. A lot of the teams that are the best faceoff teams didn't even make the playoffs. So you can argue that. A lot of the well, Colorado team, was really good. Yeah, a lot of the teams that are in the top three, four, five in the league, they have some of the worst faceoff percentages. You just can't lose a draw and then get scored on that play. That's that's the main thing, and that leads to me again. I I didn't understand to to change your line 
10 seconds into the game. I mean, you knew your, what your starting lineup was. Todd McClellan had to put that out. He knew that that's that uh, that uh, Peter DeBoer was going to come at him with all his big guns. So, uh, you know, for the 10 seconds and you get a face-off in your own end, I would have just left those guys out. And if you if you really believe that they weren't up to snuff, then you should have probably had Latestu or figure out what you want to do for a defensive zone strategy at that point. Leon will be back on Connor's wing tomorrow. I would think so I to would, start. I would think so. That's another That's thing the best too. Combo. Yeah, I always liked. I always thought the best thing too is to keep DeBoer guessing. So if you start the line of Ryan Nugent Hopkins, DeBoer doesn't know who's coming over next. He doesn't know who's coming over the boards next. So throw out McDavid and Drysdale second shift. Then what happens? Now he's going. Well, these guys in warm up, they were all taking the shifts together, etc. Just keep have that option where you can go back and forth. I don't think the Oilers can win successfully a lot of games with rigid four lines. I think they've got to mix them up a little bit here and there. Well, and Todd has made the point throughout this season a few times, and he's not the only coach to say it, where he says, you know, sometimes it's actually easier to control the line matching on the road. Because mm-hmm. you can just say, well, okay, if I if I think I know what you're going to do, home coach, I'm going to put this guy, or now I'm double shifting this guy. Are you going to double shift the checker and risk him being tired? Or what, what are you going to do, right? Yep. But I, I think... You know, it's been tough for Maroon, um, but I still think I, I'd like to see him, Leon, and McDavid together again tomorrow, and then. And, and I mean that first goal that the, the the texter's talking about. I mean, that happens. That the way that goal is scored, that's one in about a thousand. Like for him to tip it that way and to bounce and then right. go over that that I mean if if that is if he can do that a lot, and he's a great it's not the only puck San Jose has tipped he's this great yeah he's great at right. it but I mean he'd be doing it a lot more often that's a that's a very lucky goal which is luck is huge still four two Washington leading Toronto there in the last minute of the second period your scoreboard come to you courtesy of Crystal Glass for all your glass needs call three ten glass today and visit them online at crystalglass.ca we'll get to Fred on the open line when we get back inside sports on Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, thanks. Sorry, Kevin. You know, just listening to Mark Letestu there, uh, I know you're so busy and stuff. Uh, One of the stories I did that had the most reaction just recently was Mark Letestu, Jamie Sidlowski. So the two of them them played together in Bonneville. Tons and tons of reaction on that story. Uh, And of course, Jamie went on to be two-time world long drive champion. How far does he hit it? Like 400? uh, 400 whatever. Now he's trying for his card, right? So he's kind of dialed it back and he's not using a club that's 90 feet long. You know... (laughs) Doesn't swing. I think it, he's taken about 15 miles or so uh, uh, off his swing, miles an hour. To control it clubs, a little his club speed head and yeah. whatever. Because the long drive competitions, you hit there. There is some accuracy involved, but they well, you, don't. They yeah, don't all have to land. You have to hit the grid. Yeah, well, you know, one of the, one of your six balls. Right. So to, and that's what Jamie's line is. I've always got five more in my pocket. It's not like this on the tour. <laughs> <laughs> Can't just drop one if I put one in the drink. Washington gets another one, 5-3. They lead Toronto about five and a half minutes left in the third period. We have Fred on the open line. Fred, thanks for calling. Hey, boys, how are you tonight? Okay, this is uh, Fred, by the way. If you want to go to 630Ched.com or go to our Facebook page, there's a video I did with Fred with his homemade Stanley Cup. This is the Fred. Go ahead, buddy. 
Hey, uh, well, you know what? We've gone through so many playoff wars. You don't get two highs with the highs, and you don't get two lows with the lows, right? Last night was quite comical, to be honest with you, but the orders, how many shots did they have on goal last night? Did well, they even 20, have 10? 23, I think, was the final total. And how often did they go to that five hole? Not very. They ought to exploit that five hole. That's how they're scoring all the goals in the previous games, but uh, it was a good learning experience last night. To get your ass kicked like they did last night. It wasn't even close. And I think the Sharks probably said, we're going to teach these young boys a lesson or two, so now they got to regroup. But some of uh, our players, such as Lucic, Maroon, they got to step it up a little bit. And the fourth line, uh, you got to have all four lines in the playoffs. It's vital. And I think I might even throw Matt Hendricks in there tomorrow night. Would you, do you agree on that one? Uh, I don't know if they're going to put Hendricks in. They, I, I mean, he he or Kara is a possibility. I truly believe Anton Lander is not a possibility. I just think that ship has sailed unless they get really desperate. Here's the thing about Matt Hendricks. The last time he played, he played three and a half minutes. Now, I know DeHarnay is struggling and isn't playing a lot. They're still putting him out there eight, nine, ten minutes. I just, I'll, I'll never doubt Matt Hendricks' desire or work ethic, but how much does the coaching staff really think he can accomplish if he got three and a half minutes in a regular season game? Well, probably not a lot, but the guy brings heart, which our fourth line is not really doing much. And I know you can't beat up on fourth line too much because it is what it is, but uh, they need a spark in there. Uh, how about on D? Do you bring in maybe Graba and sit nurse, or do you put in Fane, or what do you do? They're not putting in All your points are really good points and everything, but, I mean, the, re- the main reason and the only reason that the Oilers have right now to take a 3-2 series lead is all their best players, like the top six forwards. That's where the game has to be won. It's not going to be with Matt Hendricks coming in or Eric Greiber. It's up to those top six forwards to to do what San Jose did in game four. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think Rob and I dealt with it last night. And and look, I've I've been through this as as a fan and a sports observer too. But I think after the game last night, a lot of Oilers fans are falling into the old backup quarterback syndrome. He's the mo- he, all of a sudden, you know, your football team loses. All of a sudden, that backup quarterback's the best athlete that the city's ever had, and why doesn't the coach yeah. put him in? I mean, Kevin's right. Could Matt Hendricks come in and contribute? Sure, may- maybe. But ultimately, the seven minutes he's going to play... Or if the that, 15 yeah, minutes yeah. Eric Greib is going to play well, are, are not going to swing the series in the Oilers' favor. For one, if Matt Hendricks is playing eight minutes, that means the Oilers have taken too many penalties again. Yeah, good point. You know, so, there on the PK. Right. Yeah, I, I I could foresee there being no lineup changes. I mean, I don't. They're not going to throw Fane. I mean, if they if they have that much faith in Mark Fane, they would have been playing him yeah. during the regular season. They're not going to throw a guy into Game Five of a of a two two series who's basically become yeah. your 10th defenseman. Right now, Mark Fane's your number 8 defenseman right now. Maybe, I, well, maybe Griffin Reinhardt I think is, he's I behind know. Reinhardt. Whatever it is. I, I mean, know. That's, that's my point. Doesn't, you know. I, and I know when, when it, it goes bad last night, you're sitting there saying, well, why not just change change something, change something? Well, the same lineup. Yeah. No, this is all. nothing or one nothing. This is all on the top six guys here. That's the thing. I mean, they haven't scored. And, not, you know, last night, for me, the story was how well the Oilers have kept the Sharks out of the scoring area and how hard they've been checking. Okay, well, now you lose that game and you've only scored five goals in the series. Now it's, when are you going to get to the net? When are you going to jam one in? we got Daryl on the line. Hi, Daryl. Gentlemen, how are you tonight? We're doing great. 
Well, uh, you know, everybody needs to calm down a little bit. That's what I think just from uh, playing the game and seeing the game and watching the Oilers. Uh, we get to get there because we don't know what we're doing. It's an anomaly, and that's how I see the game. So so we got blown out, you know, uh, uh, seven to nothing or six to nothing. I don't even remember the end of the score because I was uh, out, of the, out of the home. But at the end of the day, the Oilers, could, that could have happened to San Jose. The Oilers could have done that to San Jose. We have enough firepower. Couple little things they need to tweak, no question. So at the end of the day, they need to get it tougher. They need to be getting more shots on the net. At the end of the day, I think Connor McDavid is as spectacular as he is. Needs to shoot the puck a few more times. Uh, the good players who know how to score, the guys that are selfish shooting the puck, they score goals. So that's my two cents, and you guys can comment on it. And uh, appreciate taking the call. Have a great night. Well, I think Daryl, you're right. I mean, look, ultimately, we're not going to know the impact of the seven nothing game un- in- until four or five days from now when the series is over. But like I said earlier, forty eight hours ago, San Jose radio was saying, like, "Well, great, we're only allowing one or two goals. Won't matter if we don't score." Well, I think you're going to know the impact of that seven nothing game about four or five we'll minutes know. into tomorrow. We'll know early in, in, so. in the game for sure. Shooting more, you know. Rob always says, Kevin. And, you know, you all, kids always get taught assists are just important in goals. No, the right decision. And if, if shooting is if shooting is the better play for your team to score on that play, that that's the right play. Having said that, it's pretty hard for me to doubt what Connor McDavid no, sees on yeah. the ice when he decides exactly. to pass. And, I mean, it's not like he's had a dozen five-alarm chances where he could shoot <laughs> right. here. I mean, that's it's that tight out there. So, I mean, let's just throw, you know, game four away and look at the other three games and how tight it's been. So, I mean, it's not like these guys have had, you know, uh, so much space out there to fire one and take a, have, take a good look and pick a corner. It's, uh, it's too close checking right now. And they, and they just, they got to stay out of the box. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to harp about, about the refing, but I mean, they, and they said this after game one, when you take a penalty, not only do you give the other team two minutes a chance to score, even if you kill it off, your lines are are messed up because you've had different pairings out there, right? The, 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 yeah, you, you lose your the lines, flow of trying to forecheck. Your lines are messed up. The only time it benefits you is if you have a very strong penalty kill. Don't allow any shots on goal. Don't allow any scoring chances. That's when it does benefit you because now you've taken the momentum away from that offensive team. Musa on the line. Hey, Musa. Hey guys, how you doing? Doing great. Good. Good. Um, one thing I was kind of that I noticed uh, in the series with Connor McDavid is he actually is shooting more, especially last game. I noticed he was shooting from places that he usually doesn't, and I know this probably isn't popular, but I think actually he has to go back to playing the way he was playing in the season and actually looking for the pass first. Um, I don't know. It just to me, it looked like last night almost it was like he was shoot first, shoot first, shoot first, even if it wasn't the best option. And I, I wonder if that's maybe taking him away from what made him successful in the regular season. What do you guys think? I think it's just hard to say. I mean, for, for again, last night, I think it's a throwaway game. I, I wouldn't take anything and read too much of, of uh, anything. The Oilers really didn't have any scoring chances last night, except for the uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins missed open net on the uh, power play and then uh, Adam Larson crossbar. I don't think they had another scoring chance the whole game. Uh, no, not really. Not really. Yeah, really had that partial one down no. the side. Got Jay on the line as well. Hi, Jay. Hey, how you doing? We're doing well. I just wanted to throw out that uh, all day long I've been dealing with people, you know, giving me crap about the Oilers blowout and that sort of stuff, being the stupid fan kind of guy. But I'm just 
sick of hearing all, especially on the radio today, all day long. And all these armchair coaches called in saying how, oh, we need to put Deshard in here and move Connor to the second line. Let's uh, let's uh, 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 bring in Fane or whatever the case is. Just enough of it. He's not going to win this series by shuffling lines and making making little movements like that. You're going to win by the things that got you there, got you the first couple games in the first place. You're not going to consistently outshoot out, out the, the Sharks. You're not going to consistently win draws against them. What you have to do is lay the frickin' body. You have to make sure that when they go in the corner and they're going to make that pass, they're going to pay for it every time. They need to be afraid to make that pass. That's how the Oilers can win this series. I well said. Well said, Jay. Good call. Well said. Thanks for calling, buddy. No problem. All right, it's 7.45. we got to take a quick timeout. We're going to shine a light here on another local team that's doing very well. The Leduc Chrysler Oil Kings are going to the TELUS Cup. We'll talk to their head coach when we get back. Hey, this is Connor McDavid. Richard scores! Connor McDavid makes it two shorthanded goals for Edmonton. This is your exclusive home for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Shad. Well, the Leafs won't go away. They score with 25 seconds left. Washington does still lead the game 5-4. It was 4-1 for the Capitals after the first period. The Senators have a goal from Bobby Ryan, his third of the playoffs. They lead Boston. 1-0 with 11 minutes left. Ottawa trying to go up 3-1 in the series. Blues and Wild just underway. The Blues are going for the sweep. And starting in about 20 minutes or so, the Flames are home to the Ducks. The Flames are trying to stay alive in that one. The Blue Jays might win. They're up 3-0 on Boston in the top of the ninth. <laughs> <laughs> Should be more optimistic. 3-0 yeah. in the top of the ninth. But. A lot of outs left. <laughs> Big game for the Oilers. Uh, we want to celebrate a local team here, the Leduc Chrysler Oil Kings. Midget AAA, they uh, won Alberta, and they're going to uh, Prince George for the TELUS Cup starting on Monday. They're going to leave on the weekend. Their coach is Taylor Harnett. Taylor, welcome back to the show. You're on with Kevin and Reed. How are you doing? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Good. How are you? Good, good. D- doing well. Hey, you know what? I, I The fall in the league I follow mostly online, and I, and I think you guys actually were... 500 or even below in the regular season. So, uh, how do you how did you, how did you put that together to go on that big run and win Alberta? Well, you know what the record uh, you know is, is is a little deceiving. We've had a lot of close games, um, but uh, you know we obviously fed off of it. It gave us an opportunity for the first half of the season to, to always try and be near about 500, and we just. We just finished a fraction below, but you know, after the Max tournament, uh, we had a, some some good team success there. We just went off of that, and and we just started rolling. And then, you know, I mean, we preached all year long that there's two seasons: there's a regular season, and then there's the second season. And you know, where we finished in the first first season didn't really mean anything once the playoffs started. You guys kind of forgot about it. We just uh, the ball started rolling for us. It was, uh, you know, it was a real good, uh, real good month and a half. Hey Taylor, we had Quinn Phillips out there on Monday talking to you, and you know she talked about you guys peaking at the right time. But you just mentioned the max. Was that right in that area where you felt the team took it to the next level, and you could kind of see uh, what would come to fruition as the season progressed? Yeah, Kevin, that's a good 
question because that's exactly what happened. We uh, we had a really good draw in uh, Calgary, and uh, we finished we finished one goal short of of qualifying for the quarterfinal, which is not an easy thing to do in that tournament. And you know, playing against the caliber of teams, we we played the Hungarian national team, which. I know at the NHL level we don't see quite a bit, but at the minor hockey level they're a very competitive country and and to see the potential and, and what we actually were capable of in such a short, you know, tournament was was uh, a huge benefit for us coming back, you know, back in the regular season in January. So yeah, the Max Max played a big part in and where we're at today. So Taylor, I'm curious how you've managed the last couple of weeks here because you won Alberta. You didn't have to play a regional qualifier because the BC team is hosting. How have you kept the players engaged and, and interested with such a long break between the end of the league playoffs and now the national tournament? Well, you know, again, that's another good question. It's something that we put a lot in me and my coaching staff and in our organization you know, put a lot of thought into, and, you know, myself, I've, I've got some very, you know, good resources, coaching resources in the hockey world. I mean, obviously, I reached out to some similar situation. And, uh, you know, what we tried to do over the, the past month is uh, just, just you know, keep, keep a competitive environment and, and um, you know, mix things up a little bit, make sure we're... You know, we're, we're, we're fresh on our systems and we're, you know, reminding them daily of where we're going and an opportunity that we have to represent our province in Western Canada and Charlotte and as well keep reminding them of what they've accomplished for the community of the, the county of the Duke. Just keep reminding them of, you know, how good they are and, you know, yeah, we... We were called underdogs. That was a bit of a Cinderella story, but we start off with that, and I think we've kind of gotten over that now, and we don't see ourselves as underdogs. But if anybody else does, then, you know, again, we've been through it. We're ready for it. But, yeah, just keep the competitive environment. And, you know, I, I had one friend of mine, he told me that, you know, just 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 make sure that by the time you guys have the Prince George that they, they practice so much they can't wait to play a game. That's kind of what you've done, so... <laughs> All right. Well, Taylor, we'll be following you next week, man. I know you got to get out on the ice for practice. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sports. Yeah, good luck, big guy. Great. Great. You guys, and thanks for having me. Taylor Harnett checking in, coach of the uh, Leduc AAA Chrysler Oil Kings. So the Telus Cup is interesting. It's in Prince George. Yeah. It's a six-team round robin. Starts Monday. You play every day, Monday through Friday. You play every team once. There are no pools. Semis next Saturday, finals <laughs> next Sunday. Hockey. So the it's two like, finalists, seven games in seven days. Basically, like the Max tournament all over again. Well, yeah, sometimes they play. <laughs> sometimes they play twice in in a day there too. That's true. Maybe that's what the University Cup hockey should go back to six and play five games every. That'd eight. be interesting. Wouldn't that be something? All right, Kevin. Thanks for coming right, in. Riedel. I gotta uh, do some stuff. Are you going to be there tomorrow? Doing We're going to be. Yeah, we're going to be live right after the game. So as soon as the game's over, we'll be live in Ford Hall. Okay, and we, the rally is at noon tomorrow at Churchill Square. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I imagine you guys will have stuff we'll from have there. We'll have stuff, stuff from there, there yeah. during Oilers now, yeah. so you can watch Global or listen to Chet or do both at the same time. We'd appreciate that. The auction for one loge table for Fort Rogers Place for Game Five is still live on 630ched.com and you can bid until noon tomorrow. So there's a way to get into the game. So that's Beautiful. pretty cool. And then you can come up to Kevin and get his autograph. Oh, I wouldn't say that. But... <laughs>
<laughs> uh, Leon Dreisaitl not suspended. Jesse Puglia-Yarve loaned to the Finnish national team for Worlds. The Oilers call up Fane, Laleja, Lander, and Osterling. Kevin, I'll see you at the rink, buddy. All thanks right. for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me, Reed. Besides Kevin Carius, you also heard from Taylor Harnett. You heard from Bill Lindsay. And from Robert Clark, Oilers anthem singer. Part of that interview, video-wise, is on the 630 Chad Facebook page. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer. Game 5 tomorrow, Oilers and Sharks. 6 o'clock face-off show, 8.30 puck drop here, all live here on 6.30 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.